This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello. Good to be with you. Thanks for tuning in. And Bridget, we still want to thank people for helping out so much during our share a couple of weeks ago. We really have to do those a couple of times every year to raise the funds that we need to stay on the air. So to everybody who uh, is our regular donor to Catholic Radio, thank you very much. For everyone who joined our family during the share a big welcome and thank you. And also thank you to all of the volunteers. We just couldn't have done it without them. There's a lot of phones to answer, paperwork to do, uh, food, snacks, um, yeah, all kinds of things to keep the uh, share moving. And it went very well thanks to everybody's efforts. So uh, a big thank you to everyone involved with that. Well, one of my favorite pastimes is actually going to the Adoration Chapel. And if you've never been to Perpetual Adoration, well, it is um, a beautiful gift that our church gives us. And today, that's our topic. We're going to be talking about the actually 25th anniversary of this of the St. Louis de Montfort Parish Adoration Chapel. And today, we have our guest, the pastor, uh, Father Thomas Hahn and Gerilyn Kunkel. So thank you so much for being our guest today, and welcome to Faith in Action. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, tell, uh, I'd like you to tell our, now, people may be familiar with, with you, um, Father Hahn, and maybe with you as well, um, Gerilyn Kunkel, because Larry Kunkel's kind of a little, kind of <laughs> kind of a famous guy here, so uh, um, we should put it this way. He is your husband. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not you yes. are his yes. wife. <laughs> we got to get that straight. So tell us a little bit about each of you and your role um, there with the Adoration Chapel. Well, as you said, my name is Father Thomas Hahn. I've been the pastor here for approximately uh, seven months or so. <laughs> um, it is uh, a privilege to be entrusted to such a, a fantastic uh, community here at uh, St. Louis Montfort Fishers, and uh, I regularly participate in that Adoration Chapel and attempt to promote it as often as I can from the pulpit. Yeah, and I'm Jerry Lynn Kunkel. Um, we've been at St. Louis to Montfort, I believe, for about 25 years. Um, and we've, um, I've always been in the door. Our chapel opened, actually, it'll be 26 years this September. Okay. And I've always, I've always been in the door. Um, and I just started kind of uh, coordinating it probably within the last 10 years. Um, so, um, you know, we've been real involved in St. Louis de Montfort, and um, I love the chapel, and uh, we had someone that was in charge of it for a long time, and they had posted a message in the chapel that, well, this person would like to get someone else to do it, and I kept thinking, I don't have time, and that message just kept, the message never went away, and so I finally said, okay, Lord, I'll try it, and it's <laughs> been about 10 years now. <laughs> so you saw that you saw that little note when you were there in the chapel, and then you're sitting there in front of Jesus. Well, you know what, Jesus, I'm here, but I really don't have time to do that. You know, how, how many times have we told, told Jesus that? I really don't have time. Now, Father, I am a member of St. Louis de Montfort Parish there, and the chapel is 25-plus years old now, but the parish is a little bit older than that, isn't it? It is. Uh -oh. um, it was 
it was not the perpetual adoration chapel was not established until uh, a bit later in the church's uh, history. All right, very good. Well, I want to ask. We actually do have listeners. About a third of our audience is our estimation that are not Catholic, and so for people who may not know what Eucharistic adoration is, um, what is it? And then maybe what is perpetual adoration? Well, sure. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll begin by uh, giving some of the biblical roots of our understanding. Of course, uh, in the words of our Lord at the Last Supper, uh, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, the understanding of the true presence of Christ's body and blood within the Eucharistic species uh, has been crucial and from the beginning of parish or church history. Um, Spending time with Jesus, extended time, also has um, images like Peter, James, and John going up Mount Tabor to spend time with our Lord when he's transfigured. It almost evokes Moses going up the mountain and his face glowing after spending time with our uh, with God. Um, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, right after the Last Supper, the Lord asks Peter, James, and John, can you not keep one hour with me? Um over time, what we call the, the development of doctrine, which is uh, something that's revealed in Scripture, a truth is more deeply understood or more clearly perceived over time, especially uh, in that early church, they recognized Jesus being truly present. Of course, he was always brought to prisons and to those who were sick in the, in the Eucharist, but especially after the um, legalization of Christianity and the congregations at Mass got larger, the reservation of the Eucharist became preeminent in all churches, uh, in a tabernacle. It wasn't really until the 1100s when some uh, began to question or doubt or preach against that true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist that at Mass the priest would elevate the host after the words of consecration, after professing, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, he would hold the host aloft so that people might gaze upon Jesus, and that fostered a longing for the congregation that they wished that moment of looking upon Jesus in the Eucharist could last forever. And so it really was in France in the 1200s when that was offered to the faithful on a regular basis, and there was such a groundswell of people who found great peace and great hope in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist that it spread like wildfire, and that it really it, it was aided by uh, the establishment of the Feast of Corpus Christi in the 1200s, and with um, St. Thomas Aquinas writing some of the greatest Eucharistic hymns the Church has ever seen, like O Salutaris and Tantumergo, Pande Lingua. Um, so from that point forward, it, it, it dramatically spread. So Eucharistic adoration, in essence, is gazing and spending time with Jesus present in the Eucharist, usually uh, contained in what we call a monstrance, a, a gold um, device that would be on the altar that has glass so you can see the Lord in the Eucharist um, and speak to him heart to heart. Now, Father, uh, St. Louis de Montfort is not your first assignment as a priest. You've been at other uh, parishes. Have you been at a parish that has had an adoration chapel before? Yes, uh, St. Elizabeth and Seton. I was uh, there in Carmel when they began to offer it from 9 o'clock in the morning till 9 p.m., at least Monday through Friday, and that was a, a monumental moment, I think, for the parish uh, to uh, have that opportunity and, uh, all throughout the day. They have not gone perpetual. It's a huge leap to make as a parish, 
but uh, I, I was able to see the immediate fruits of, of so many parishioners visiting that chapel. Uh, Jerry Lynn, if we can ask you, uh, we've asked a, a lot of our guests how the COVID situation has affected their operation, and uh, certainly when you're trying to keep someone in front of the Blessed Sacrament 24 hours a day, seven days a week, what kind of an impact did the COVID virus, does the COVID virus have on the chapel? Well, you know, there for a while, the churches were closed. And so um, the decision was made to close the chapel as well. But then when we reopened it, of course, we, what we did is we made a personal phone call to all our adorers just to make sure they were still in. And we did have several that said they were just not comfortable. Maybe they were just deciding to stay home, didn't really even want to leave their house. So we ended up um, probably... Oh, my. We, I think uh, we ended up with like 30 or 40 open hours Ooh. that did not have doors. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, bless Father Han, he um, made a couple pushes. We had a Eucharistic procession, you know, did some things to kind of beef it, beef it up a little. And now we're down to like 10 hours that are open. You still need um, so, so you're really glowing, yeah. Jerry Lynn, because you probably yeah. picked up all those hours yourself. You know, I, I can see that's well, why you're glowing right now. No, actually, <laughs> we, we have a wonderful group of subs okay. that we can call on. And uh, the lady, her name's Jane, uh, she, she is our sub coordinator. And so that's the one that kept the hours filled because I still had to work. So, you know, we just uh, kept calling on our subs. And, um, but now that we're fully open, we do, um, we do ask that if there's more than, you know, if you're not in there by yourself to wear a mask and then clean up, you know, the area that you sit in. Sure, sure. Um, So, you know, we try, we're trying to keep it as safe as possible, but keep it open because it is such a blessing. And I know, um, as I mentioned, I'm a, a member of St. Louis de Montfort Parish, that w- during the early days of the COVID, when the churches were literally closed, St. Louis de Montfort did something very interesting that I don't know if any other churches did. There's kind of a little uh, portico or uh, covered area where you can drive up in front of the church, and then there are glass doors and a second set of glass doors that go into the narthex, and they set up a adoration chapel of sorts in that area that you could see through the glass doors of the church and that you could drive up to. And uh, that turned out to be quite popular, didn't it? Yeah. It, um, now, it's not, and Father can probably address that to where it's not quite the same, but it was the tabernacle um, that was there. And, you know, I know for so many people, you know, they'd go there and just, almost cry because you just wanted to go in the building. <laughs> you just wanted to be as close to Jesus as you could be. And that was, that was great that they came up with that idea. It was just last Sunday. Uh, the psalm was by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat and wept. If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. I feel like uh, that was a, a short period of time in our recent church history that we felt like we were a bit of exile because of the, the pandemic, and um, 
we, we wanted to maintain a fervor and a devotion for our heavenly Jerusalem, certainly, but for our Lord in the Eucharist. And I think those little things went a long way. Uh, just to take a little uh, diversion here, uh, we are talking about adoration chapels with Father Thomas Hahn and Geraldine Kunkel. But, uh, Father, are there any relaxations of the uh, COVID restrictions on the horizon? Uh, I know most churches are doing every other pew and trying to maintain six feet uh, between uh, family units and things like that and wearing masks. Are there any relaxations that uh, people can look for soon? I think that the, the bishop is, uh, of our diocese, the Diocese of Lafayette, Indiana, has been quite hopeful uh, in the sense of uh, future restrictions being uh, alleviated. Um, he has been working with the medical community, especially as a board member of the Catholic Medical Association. He has a degree in bioethics. He's very much well-connected with the medical community and, um, and also with his fellow bishops and he's constantly asking us priests what it's like on the ground. And, and I've had the chance to tell him recently, um, it's, it's getting tough to find room for folks. And there, there's enough people um, who are ready to get back in action, whether it's post-vaccine or just uh, they're, they're ready to roll. And I want to be welcoming and find room for them. Uh, we priests have a limited bandwidth. We can, by canon law, only offer three masses maximum on a Sunday. So uh, we, we we can't be offering too many more masses, so the only other option is to, to make more space for people. So I'm, I'm hopeful too, Jim. Yeah, it's been a little bit unusual in the uh, past couple of weeks to see some of the masses with uh, standing room only with half of the pews filled, but that's the situation. That's the life time period we're living in right now. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk more about the Eucharistic adoration and its perpetual nature there at St. Louis de Montfort. So stay tuned for more Faith in Action. With all the things going on in the world right now, it's nice to have hope. When I'm having a really tough day, it really helps me get through. It's just like their program was just meant for you. Catholic Radio Indy. It's the only radio station I listen to. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we are talking with our guests, Father Thomas Hahn and Jerry Lynn Kunkel. And we're talking about the Perpetual Adoration Chapel there at St. Louis de Montfort. At St. Louis de Montfort, you can sign up for Adoration Hours by going to the website at uh, sldmfishers.org, or you can uh, call the parish office. You'll find that number online as well. Or you could uh, stop one of the priests in the narthex after Mass or before Mass and get some instruction there, too. At your parish, well, things might be a little bit different, but if you have an adoration chapel, just check with your parish website or call the parish office or, again, talk to one of the priests before or after Mass. If you don't have a chapel at your parish yet, well, maybe, just maybe, you might be the key to making something happen in that regard. So talk to your pastor about it if you're interested, and maybe you can get one started, or at least he can direct you to one of the nearby ones at a a nearby parish. We were just talking at the break that there aren't that many, well, okay, let's talk about that there's been kind of a resurgence in perpetual adoration, Eucharistic adoration. Can you talk about that, uh, Father Han? Have you noticed that maybe in the last 50, 30 years here in the United States? Is that like a trend? No, I, I think there is. There's a greater demand for it. And I guess the two primary factors that I would observe is 
number one, uh, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, the Great, uh, he, he had such a, a, a devotion to our Lord the Eucharist, wrote an encyclical about it, and honestly, I think he requested adoration at some of his major pilgrimages in public so that, in some ways, because of the Eucharistic adoration, uh, to be promoted. Um, so, so he, I think, started the groundswell for desire for adoration. But I also think it's in direct response to the, the, the noisiness of the culture that's getting louder and louder and, and the, the rate of speed at which information comes at us. It's not really human. And so there's a greater desire for silence, for contemplation, for um, uh, an interior peace. And when people get a, a bit of taste of Eucharistic adoration, they want more of it. So I think those two factors have brought about a greater desire for and greater calls for it. Um, I, I, I do know that um, St. Louis de Montfort and Fishers and Our Lady of Mount Carmel and Carmel are the two perpetual adoration chapels that the Lord's exposed 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, but there are plenty of other parishes. I think of St. Maria Goretti in Westfield and St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Carmel that uh, hold it daily for a significant amount of time and even have chapels dedicated to it. So uh, at least locally, we've experienced that that increase in desire. Uh, talk about the uh, kind of protocol of what you do when you enter the chapel, a little bit different than uh, when you just enter the church. What, what does a person typically do when they enter the Adoration Chapel? Well, certainly when a Catholic walks into any Catholic church in the world, the first thing they're going to be looking for is that red sanctuary lamp, that red candle, which will indicate if the Lord is reserved in the tabernacle. And if you see that, that's what you're genuflecting towards on your right knee. Um, when you walk into a perpetual adoration chapel or any adoration chapel where our Lord is exposed on the altar, it is fitting, if you're capable, to genuflect on both knees, knowing that he is exposed on the altar. If that's not possible, a, a profound bow would, would suffice, especially if you have bad knees or you're elderly. Um, but certainly silence in any church or sacred place is appropriate, and that's also true for a perpetual adoration chapel. And then the big question is, most people go for one hour, and one hour can be a very, very long time. If you uh, can imagine sitting uh, in a pew or kneeling uh, on a kneeler for one hour, what does one do for an hour? Jerry Lynn? Um, well, it's funny because there are sometimes, and I'll speak just from my own personal experience, you know, there's sometimes I go there and it does seem very long, um, especially because I do an early morning hour and usually when I come, I'm tired. Um, but then there's other times when I'm there and I look at my clock and think, oh my goodness, my hour's up. So I think it just kind of depends. We, we know Jesus is always there. But I think so much of it depends on where my state of mind is and where my heart is at the time. Because, um, you know, sometimes I'll go and I come away and I'm just so full and, you know, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. this is such a wonderful hour. And there's other times when, because of my own attitude, maybe I, I don't feel any different. Um, but regardless, I know he's always there. And mm -hmm. 
even if I wouldn't um, coordinate the chapel, I just can't imagine not going. Now, is it appropriate to uh, sit? I mean, most people, when we go in, we would first kneel, but uh, again, an hour is a rather long time. Is it appropriate to sit, and is it appropriate to read, and what might somebody read if they were reading during an adoration? Sure. No, sitting or kneeling are both appropriate postures in the adoration chapel. What to do in adoration, um, I love this story because I, I grew up on a farm, but there's a story about St. John Vianney, and he'd see a farmer come into the church and pray for, for longer than an hour every day, and eventually John Vianney went up and asked him and says, what, what do you do when you come in? What's kind of your secret? And he said, I look at him, and he looks at me. Uh, that 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 is the, probably the primary and most important aspect of Eucharistic adoration. Let the Lord look at you, and you look at the Lord, um, and listen in the silence. That's where the Lord speaks to us most often. Um, but to supplement the silence, the listening, and the gazing, um, one can pray with sacred scripture. Um, certainly, devotionals. Um, it's not inappropriate to do a personal rosary or divine mercy chaplet. But I, I guess I, I caution folks that. Uh, have almost like a checklist that they do this, 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 and then the, the hour's over. I, I don't think there's enough room for letting the Lord kind of direct the prayer and letting the Holy Spirit um, kind of change your plans. So to be too structured is one of my, one of my cautions. Wow. Um, just great, great insights that you're offering here. I'm, I'm, my, the wheels in my head are turning, and I, as, I, as I, I visualize myself in adoration, how kind of how I've experienced it as well, very ti- the time going by very, very quickly for me. Sometimes I can't imagine, I can't believe what happened. Like I, it's almost like time stands stills, but then it also is going really quickly. So it's, it's really a kind of a, a really awesome experience. I want to get to the fruit. We've got it like maybe four or five minutes left. What kind of fruit have you seen? You mentioned that earlier, Father Han, and I'm sure you've both seen fruit that's been born out of these parishes that either have a perpetual adoration or that put the Eucharist on reserve for a certain period of time that where it's exposed. Who wants to take that? I'll, I'll, <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll begin. I know Jerry Lynn has her own stories. I'll speak on my own it was crucial in my discernment of my vocation. Uh, I, was, I was at, especially at Purdue University, um, I was uh, kind of finished with my, my stint on the, on the football team, and all I wanted was to go to this perpetual adoration chapel at St. Elizabeth Hospital there in Lafayette, just to make sense of what the Lord was calling me, and it was in that context that he drew me in. That's true here at this parish, too. Uh, Father Cody Owens uh, grew up at our parish at St. Louis de Montfort, and he, he attributes our chapel to clarity uh, of that call, among other factors. So uh, especially those discerning um, a major move in life or uh, the next step, uh, time and time again, people have said they've turned to the Lord in Eucharistic adoration. So I think that's, that's some of the fruit there. Yeah, and I know, um, and I've been married for a long time, and being married is not a Cinderella story. <laughs> So, um, even though you even though mi- my husband's one, yeah, you married my a prince. Wonderful, by the way, <laughs> Larry. If you're listening, she loves you very much. She told me that before we got on air. <laughs> but being able to spend time in the chapel and kind of get focused on just what our marriage is all about, I know for a fact that uh, the chapel and being there kind of kept kept us going. Um, and then also, you know, when our kids were little, we have four children, 
And when they were little, I was a stay-at-home mom, and going in that chapel and knowing no one was going to be calling for me, calling me mom, can you do that? You know, I could just sit there and be quiet and have stillness. I think that kind of saved my sanity. Um, and Father's right, we've had, you know, seminarians that have come in. Sometimes they'll just drop into the chapel just to have some quiet time. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know some of the fruits that we've had, we may never know about. And, and, and speaking of uh, speaking of quiet uh, times, might be a good time to leave the cell phone in the car when you go into adoration. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, there's there's folks with the smart watches too, and and you just don't want to be buzzed. There's just one appointment. You don't want to you don't want to be interrupted. But I think of the adoration chapel, and I heard this analogy elsewhere, so I'm I'm stealing it, but I'll I'll do so unreservedly. It's like the electricity. It's the, it keeps the spiritual lights on. It brings light to everything else in the parish. It brings life and direction to every ministry. I think it's just, it, it infuses uh, everything that we do consciously or subconsciously here at St. Louis de Montfort. Before we go, Father, could you give our listening audience a blessing? I'd be honored to. Um, and, and thank you all for uh, tuning in to Catholic Radio and uh, trying to search for some divine wisdom in your life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Through the imposition of my priestly hands and through the intercession of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Louis de Montfort, uh, Pope St. John Paul the Great, and all of the saints and angels in the heavenly kingdom, may God bless you and keep you. May he draw you closer to his Eucharistic heart. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. We actually have a few minutes left, and I want to ask, how hard is it to get a um, Adoration Chapel started at a parish? What's well, needed? I, first of all, <laughs> I, I think the, to foster just a general Eucharistic devotion among parishioners is the first groundwork that must be done. Uh, once that's established, certainly parishioners not only should... Uh, seek the, the pastor's uh, approval and, and guidance on the matter, um, but al- also show him of the practical work that you've done to ensure that it will be really self-sustaining, which is one of the more intimidating projects. If it's not self-sustaining, it's not really even fair to the pastor's successor to inherit such a large, large task. But lastly, I mean, the, the, the bishop must give approval on such projects, and, and he would certainly want to be uh, assured of the practical um, sustainability of such a project. But maybe starting small, uh, weekly adoration, which is encouraged, uh, or, or daily adoration, and, and go from there. Great advice. Um, uh, we learned a lot here about the Adoration Chapel and the blessing that it is to your parish at St. Louis de Montfort. Our guests have been Father Thomas Hahn and Jerry Lynn Kunkel. Thanks so much for being our guests here on Faith in Action. Thank you so much. We love Catholic Radio, by the way. God bless you guys. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please call us at 317-870-8400 or email jim at 
catholicradioindy.org.